Welcome to Burning Bright, a weekly podcast presenting poetry and prose from Passager. The Middle East has never been a comfy place. There have always been tensions over land, resources, theology, and more. On this much longer-than-usual edition of Burning Bright, some pieces from Passager that aren't specifically about the current Israel-Gaza conflict, but that represent aspects of the situation. Whose land is it? From Passager, Issue 59, Christine S. O'Connor's poem, Alien Fields. It begins with an epigraph, a Hmong proverb. Borrow their fields to graze our sheep, borrow their bowls to make our broth. To till this land is not to make it my own, although the rake and the hoe belong to me. In each new furrow I picture distant paths trod by my ancestors. My sheep graze on borrowed fields. When darkness comes, I gather my family. We make our supper in bowls you have loaned us, bitter broth. My tears flow on crops soon to ripen, so I will eat them and plant again, because I am a survivor in your land, far from the graves of my forefathers. For me there is no returning. I see your hills on the horizon. These fields may belong to my children, as never to me. On the day my remains lie beneath the straight furrows, they will have an ancestor in this land. Christine S. O'Connor's poem, Alien Fields Recently, after Hamas attacked Israel, the tensions over land resources and theology exploded into war, and it's likely to get worse before it gets better. From Passenger Issue 62, Birthday, by Shelley List. Two trains on a collision course for years. Objects falling away, furniture on wheels, liquid floating out of glasses, children scattering like flies off slapped meat. Nothing where you left it. Two trains chugging due north, due south, for decades. Words skittering out of reach, allegiances shifting, vandals crashing through glass, incomprehensible slang for unimagined vocations. Two trains crashing at the end of the world, steel wheels howling, night air burning, trunks flinging their contents to the hill, age not where you left it, lives scooting out through keyholes. Shelley List's poem, Birthday. Next, from Passenger Issue 59, You, by James McGrath. You killed me before. You bombed my wedding. You killed me before. You starved my children. You killed me before. You broke the doors of my home. You killed me before. You violated our women, my wife, my daughters. You killed me before. You dirtied the holy book. You killed me before, you stripped, made me naked, my father, my sons, my brothers. You killed me before, you sneered, derided over profit. You killed me before, I killed twelve of you. Hundreds of my fathers, thousands of my sons, millions of my brothers killed twelve of you. You, you killed me before and still I breathe. I only wanted to be loved, like you. You, James McGrath. 
Ed Vojic imagined children anticipating the end of the world. Here's an excerpt from his essay about the Cuban Missile Crisis. October 23, 1962. From Passenger, Issue 62. That evening after dinner, the 6 o'clock news reported even more grim stories on the crisis. And later that night, I lay in my bed, eyes wide open, not thinking of muscles, but of my older brother in the twin bed next to me, his arm hanging over the side in utter dream surrender, and of my parents quietly wheezing from their bedroom. All at once I wished I had spoken kindly to a classmate who annoyed me that day, and wished I could have had time for one last confession, for that and a whole bunch of other sins. I wished I had done more to make my mother, the unhappiest person I knew, happier, and I wondered what I could have done to make my father, the sternest and most precise person I knew, like me more. I wanted to thank my brother for the times he stood up for me against bullies, and the times he let me tag along with him and his friends when he really didn't want to, but mostly for not taking advantage that he was the favored firstborn. I was sad not being able to grow up to be something I wanted to be, though I did not know yet what that something was. Finally, I asked myself, shouldn't I, too, just fall into blissful slumber like my family, an oblivious peace? But no, I knew I couldn't. Till the last possible second I wanted to experience my life, even if it meant witnessing firsthand the absolute moment of Armageddon, inevitable now as the sun setting at dusk, which surely would come in immense flashes of blinding light and unimaginable heat and mushrooming clouds, if not this night, then the next, or the next. An excerpt from Ed Vojic's essay, October 23, 1962. Rose M. Smith writes about women watching their children going off to war. From Passenger Issue 65, When a country steals your sons, the epigraph says, Ida's father Eldridge, 1945. First you shake fists at God and sky when Sam comes for your boys. Five times you watch them board a bus, promise you to write one by one as days line up, longer till the harvest. Just so many times you make the heartbreak stiff your backbone up, take it like medicine, bitter as yellow root, like Solomon's seal when the absence rends your bones, arms aching across desert and sea. Some sons you don't get back, your feet alone left to walk this land they loved. What you can see from here Acres north and south of old Route 1 are me and mine, what we have, what we give, our blood and sweat on every one. Up this road the house raised also by hard work, our hands that troweled every mortar line, the lingering songs of glory that carried us through long days, strong sun's hands at trough and plow set alongside to help. Fifteen times the waters broke, labor rent new life from their mother's cries. Now, even though alive, these sons rise to the commands of men who rally at the call of oil and not the calling of the land. 
Now even daughters smell the scent of lives not written on this soil. When a country steals your sons, Rose M. Smith. It's bad enough when the victims of war are soldiers. In the current conflict, most of the casualties are civilians. From Passenger, Issue 63, Dory Hale's poem, After Grief. She remains in place, a sight, and keeps her body with him, unbroken in a swell of light. He's leaned away, though not in flight. Here's a cadence meant for him, yet remains in place, a sight bold and burnished, hers despite the keen constraint, the spell of rhythm. Unbroken in a swell of light, our dead can sing to us, invite a waning heart to shelter, an interim that remains in place, a site where porous love may dwell. What sleight of hand unveiled this layered scrim, now unbroken in a swell of light? And let the soak of ties outright claim her, hold him, allow them to remain in place, a sight unbroken in a swell of light. After Grief by Dory Hale No one knows yet whether or not Hamas intended for their attack on Israel to snowball into a larger conflict. Jerome Gagnon's poem, Uncertain Fire I don't think fire knows where it's headed when it jumps from limb to limb, house to house. Yet, like a dog following a scent, sometimes it seems to consider a spark on an adjacent roof or branch before it leaps and is often running. Towards what? Home or prey? It couldn't be love, how could it? Although afterwards, in the televised stink of devastation, someone may say the familiar words. How grateful they were that they lived through it. Got out with just the clothes on their back or a dazed bird in a cage, the cat missing, or that they found something weeks later in the debris where the old life stood, a melted buckle and a piece of a photo, say, that reminded them of fire's power, how everything alters or vanishes in its path. And I think even the wish, if only even the question why, forgetting until now that fire also dies before it appears as memory on the page as the purple climber Clematis, as missile flare over a desert village. Uncertain Fire, Jerome Gagnon, from Passager, Issue 61. Also from Passager, Issue 61, Prayer Sequence, by Catherine Howd Machan. Tie the first one to a blue balloon, but don't let go. Don't let it rise. Like a plastic bag murdering a manatee, it could choke a bird. Shape the second one after a tornado has torn up all the thriving oaks next to the tea house a woman created. Her black dog barked, saving her. The third should be purple as spring dusk on a road used by soldiers to walk to war. Their socks have rotted, their boots stink, their guns mean nothing anymore. Pull the fourth from the mouth of a fish, like a coin spent on a Greek island. It has touched so many travelers, its date is a poem lost in time. Five, the last, your salvation. A girl with a body like a painted drawer will hand you a bone, a jeweled collar. Bury one, burn the other. 
sing. Prayer sequence, Catherine Howd Machan. And also from Passenger Issue 61, Mary Helen Snyder's poem, The Unbearable Pleasure of Living. A sprig of weed vine emerges as though overnight from the trimmed crown of the hedge. At first glance it annoys like that white hair on my chin. At first thought it demands clipping or pulling. At the gardens yesterday, I gazed through a glaze of tears at the blown-up microscopic view of a sunflower seed. That is how beautiful we are. And winged. And ready to invade the world head first. Let life make love to itself. The sink is beginning to collect dishes. There are two calls. To scrub them, yes, but first to be astonished. To imagine a bowl, a cup, a spoon. To discover, as though waiting for us, the cup of the empty shell, the bowl of the concave stone. To fill it not only with food or drink, but with words, with world, with ourselves. The Unbearable Pleasure of Living, Mary Helen Snyder We can only hope that at some point the sands and the sun and the winds and the human brain and heart will blow away the tensions in the Middle East that exist over land and resources and religion and history and allow people to live in peace. We'll end this longer-than-usual episode with Adrian Unger's poem about the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. The Wall 1989. We all knew about those who had failed to cross over, names bantered from gossip, jokes into myth, legend. Infamy was their permanent grave marker. But tonight, with these steel hammers cradled on our shoulders like centuries at rest, we trusted it was safe. Still, every muscle in our limbs twitched in the November air. Our lungs raked in our breath, our eyes staggered with fear, knowing how the desperate or foolish had spent themselves thrown upon this rampart. We remember the men and women who plunged at this border, the sum of their lives shoved into pockets and potato sacks. With no goodbyes, they crossed the line. Tonight, scant miles down the road, a swarm has gathered to take turns at breaking down this concrete block facade in what has become the broad midnight. Here we stand, upon a vacant stretch of a wall we know so well, to look over at a world we know so little, and hope that we Easterners can now say, we are just Berliners. From Passenger, Issue 63, Adrian Unger's poem, The Wall, 1989. To subscribe to or learn more about Passenger and its commitment to writers over 50, go to PassagerBooks.com. You can download Burning Bright from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and various other podcast apps. For Kendra, Mary, Christine, Roseanne, and the rest of the Passenger staff, I'm John Shore.